Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. On MSNBC this morning, Joe Scarborough went on a rant to keep pushing the narrative that Trump supporters are terrorists. Watch. Just like I said after 9-11, never forget that the Islamic terrorists came to our country and attacked us. And you know what? I said we needed to call them Islamic terrorists. You know why? Because they were Islamic terrorists. You know what these people are? These are Trump terrorists. Call them by their name. Yep, Trump supporters are just like the Al-Qaeda terrorists who killed 3,000 people on September 11th, 2001. That's right, Joe. So be ready, folks. This is what the next four years is going to look like. Trump supporters will be smeared as crazy and dangerous. The Capitol footage will be played over and over again, and it's all just a continuation of the dehumanization that I warned you about months and months ago happened over the past four years. Trump supporters were called racist, homophobic, sexist bigots by the Democrats and the mainstream media. And it's really all just meant to distract from this. The left and their friends in the mainstream media have quite a job to do to distract you from those daily antics. They have to make sure that the American people don't notice that there is a man in the Oval Office who is well past his prime. It's not his fault. But it is the fault of those who propped him up there in a job that he actually can't handle. His friends and family should never have done this. They shouldn't have allowed him to be put in the position of being exploited by those who want to control him and into the position of being an embarrassment right there on the world stage and representing America. It's despicable and it's sad. Anyway, we have actually more tape of Joe Biden in decline coming up, but first, Let's go around America to our hosts and correspondents on the ground, updating us, keeping us in the know. Let's start in Washington, D.C. with Carrie Sheffield. Go ahead, Carrie. Hey there, Dr. Gina. I want to let you know about H.R. One. So this is House Resolution 1. It's the first bill that the House Democrats put up. And you know they're looking out here for number one. This, according to an op-ed in Real Clear Politics from Phil Klein, he says this is a roadmap to one-party rule. And basically what they're arguing is that they want to put all of the things that we saw in the 2020 election, they want to make them permanent. All the changes to the election laws, all of the changes that make 
the states more willing to have ballot harvesting, for example, more willing to allow for people to print out their ballots at home even, to allow third parties to come in and harvest these ballots without having the chain of custody, to have more interference from outside groups. And in fact, Phil told me, this bill would also uh, open the door to have 16-year-olds in public schools getting incentivized to start getting prepared to vote. He says he thinks it's a move to try to open the vote to 16-year-olds. And I said to him, who he was, Phil was on my program this morning, I said, well, you know, they listen over to uh, Greta Thunberg, who's, you know, 16 years old. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me. This is nothing new, though, because an op-ed in 2019 Mitch McConnell said that they were trying to do the same thing, a power grab. He said this bill should be called the Democrat Politician Protection Act. Look for the Republicans to push back on this. We'll see what happens with the filibuster being blown up. All right, back to you, Dr. Gina. All right, thanks so much, Carrie. Uh, now I want to check in with Jessica Rivera in our Denver headquarters. Jessica, what do you have on the burner for us tonight? Well, Dr. Gina, I will be talking about a new Biden administration member. But before I get to that, I wanted to answer a question you actually had about my story yesterday oh, regarding <laughs> regarding the dwindling water supply in the U.S. and farmland being bought up by the rich. Uh, you asked if it would improve public water because of the competition when it comes to things like taste, sanitation, etc. And I found out that there's actually a lot of water in the U.S. that is already a combination of public and private. Public for citizens to obviously live off of and use and private to keep the water plants from going bankrupt. Uh, like many things in the U.S., when the government is in charge, finances rarely balance out. So privatization has brought in the funding, but with that comes the private owners wanting to obviously turn a profit. So making sure citizens are happy with their service is not exactly priority uh, when there are a lot of regulations that they also have to keep up with, which cost a lot. But now back to my story for today, the new member yeah. of the Biden. Thank you for that. Yes, I just wanted to make sure that I addressed that. I appreciate it, yeah. You're welcome. So um, now on to the new Biden administration member, the head of Washington State's Employment Security Department Commissioner and tech veteran, Susie Levine, will be joining the administration as the U.S. Ambassador to Switzerland and Liechtenstein. But let's hope Levine doesn't have to deal with money in her federal position. And Dr. Gina, I don't say that jokingly, Biden made this decision to add Levine to his team even after she had delays in unemployment benefits and after she lost hundreds of millions of dollars to fraud during the pandemic as commissioner. Last year, local news channel King 5 investigated and confirmed the tech veterans fraud detection software was so bad, it was unable to even detect fake claims filed with stolen identities of 59 of her own employees, allowing fraudsters to get away with 120,000 fake claims that paid out more than $600 million. The latest update is more than half of that money has been recovered, but there are still millions of dollars out there that is pretty much unaccounted for and most likely won't be returned. So why would Biden pick Levine to join his administration? We know she held the same position under the Obama-Biden administration, and apparently she's a big advocate for companies to bring in Swiss-style apprenticeship programs to the U.S. and will be part of the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, which focuses on education, researching, and technology transfers. So, Dr. Gina, the big question that still remains with Levine's promotion is, why would Biden still promote Levine after such a huge mistake and controversy on her watch and is there really not anyone else qualified to be the ambassador to Switzerland and Liechtenstein? 
man or woman, because if there is, this may be a perfect example of what the new administration's uh, so-called privilege is gonna look like, meaning no matter what mistakes you make and how disqualified you might be actually for the job, if you're a woman or any other minority, things won't be equal. You're actually gonna get special treatment. Back to you. That's interesting, Jessica, because uh, you know everybody kind of knows that ambassadorships to those two countries, not to diminish the capacities of you know those who have served in those positions, because I believe as ambassador to any country, you can do a great job or you can kind of sit on your laurels and, and enjoy the cushiness of some of them. But those two countries in particular are known to be um, plum plum gifts, right? Those are usually given to major, major donors, to presidents, or, you know, they're just kind of known to be a gift. <laughs> and so uh, certainly there are plenty who are qualified. You know, it's not like they're major players um, or, or hostile, um, you know, uh, people that, you know, you need to be concerned about from that perspective that we're going to end up in war with them or something like that. Switzerland and Liechtenstein are obviously countries that, uh, you know, that's a cushy give. So it doesn't make any sense that there weren't uh, hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands or more uh, Democrats qualified that Joe Biden could have given that position to. Very interesting. He gave it to her. I have a feeling there's a lot more to this story, and I'm so glad you're on top of it. Again, Jessica, one of those stories that you have captured, just like the water story, that I'm not hearing anyplace else. That's why I love your piece on this single this show every single day and appreciate you more than you know. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Now on to Joseph Weber, news director for our partners here at Just the News. Joseph, uh, over at Just the News, you broke the news about the Homeland Security Department issuing a national terrorism alert. Do tell us about that. Yeah, they issued that uh, around mid-afternoon and uh, came as a bit of a surprise considering I uh, haven't really seen or any heard anything. But what they said was that... Uh, it was based on some ideas that people frustrated with their quote unquote presidential transition or fueled by false narratives um, could be behind this. Yet they also acknowledged there's no specific or credible threat. The other thing that's kind of interesting is they also made mention that uh, they've, they've also a part of these violent continuing uh, riots. But the only ones that I've seen uh, or heard of is the ones in Portland and Seattle uh, by the liberal protesters and the ones that smashed the windows out of the Democratic State Party in Portland and 20, 30 people arrested collectively. So I'm really not seeing it anywhere here now. We have to take their word for it. Um, but um, Arkansas Demo Republican Senator Tom Cotton, whom you know sits on the Intelligence Committee, he said today that he's heard of no credible threat. And then again, he's on the Intel Committee and he just suggests it's all aspirational blunder. Um, it's interesting because he's also said that he's calling for and then to this quote unquote uh, quartered army in Washington, D.C., where 5,000 or 7,000 troops now, as many as 5,000 will remain until mid-March. And you have to wonder why. And when we start to throwing the word terrorist around with so many uh, sub-labels uh, coming behind it, you know, it starts to sort of water it down and, and make it have a little less impact, which is another scary component of our word usage these days. Joseph, I appreciate you keeping us surprised of what's happening over at Just the News. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. All right, coming up, Joe Biden is not 
handling himself so well. Kurt Schlichter up next to tell us about it. You will not want to miss his comments. We are going to enlighten you every single night on Dr. Gina Primetime. So stick around. We'll be right back. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Back to Dr. Gita Primetime. Joe Biden, the guy's in decline, and this isn't a secret. They're not hiding it from anyone. Anyone who's watched him on stage for five minutes knows that he isn't the old witty Joe Biden that he was during his previous five decades in office. Here's old Joe trying to do the math on uh, the, uh, well, actually, this is old Joe, I guess, now, trying to do the math on the COVID vaccine. Watch this. We expect these additional 200 million doses to be delivered this summer. And some of it will come as early, begin to come in early summer, but by the, mid, by the midsummer that this vaccine will be there. And the order, and, and, and that increases the total vaccine order in the United States by 50%, from 400 million order to 600 million. This is enough vaccine to fully vaccinate 300 Americans by end of the summer, the beginning of the fall. But we want to make, look, that's, I want to repeat, it'll be enough to fully vaccinate 300 Americans. He repeated it twice. We're going to be able to vaccinate 300 Americans. He literally said that twice. It's one thing. I mean, we all misspeak. I do it every single night on the show. I did it actually leading into the segment. But when you do it two times in a row, we're going to be able to vaccinate 300 Americans by the end of summer. You hear yourself say it. And that's where you know it's, it's a bigger problem. And it's daily. And it's not just daily. It's multiple times every day. It's, it's sad to watch. And his family and friends and the entire Democrat Party should never have propped this guy up and pushed him into the most powerful office in the world. But it happened. And he's going to be here for a while. So here with me now to discuss former White House Strategic Communications Director Mercedes Schlapp. Mercedes, thank you so much for being with us. Um, Mercedes, Biden can't even figure out what to do with his pen when he's signing these dozens of executive orders every day. He can't figure out which way to hold the pen. He can't figure out how where to put the pen when he's done with it. And then he looks down at what he's signing and he says, I don't know what I'm signing. This is sad and disgusting. And, and I want to ask you something specifically because you've been in those rooms when the president is signing bills, Mercedes. If you were standing there, Honestly, next to the president, and he were looking down, and he couldn't figure out how to use the pen, and he couldn't figure out where to put it when he was done, and he said to you, I don't know what I'm signing, would you be able to stand there next to a man who didn't know what he was doing like that? Oh, well, absolutely not, but you have to realize that Joe Biden is a scripted president. This is how they're rolling out the Biden presidency. Uh, they better invest in a lot of teleprompters because it's the only way that they can possibly keep him on message. Or if not, get a cue card. What was it, 300? I mean, it was 300 people getting vaccinated by the summer. It just shows you how he is just not capable 
of leading this nation. And the mere fact is, is that the Democrats have to be very nervous that he will not be able to take on the pressures of the presidency. I mean, Gina, you've been in the room when President Trump was in power, where he knew exactly the goals that we had to achieve, whether it was being tough on China, uh, whether it was being tough on Iran, whether it was helping our allies like Israel, he understood the actions that needed to be taken. This is not the case for Joe Biden. Uh, we know that these, uh, that these executive orders are only part of satisfying uh, the far left and their agenda that they've been salivating, waiting for the Obama third term. But I guess, you know, as somebody who has been, you know, you've been with him on the campaign, you were with him in the White House, it's hard for me to understand how those around him can stand there with a straight face and act like this isn't really happening. And, you know, I always think about, you know, your children were at home watching you stand there and, and put your stamp of approval as a mom on their future with yeah. Donald Trump as president. How do these people stand there and, and, and go home and answer to their families that this is the man they're representing as the competent, capable president of the United States? I can't imagine answering the questions to my own children when I got home after that. Can you? Well, I got to tell you, what's disturbing to me is the fact that you have a media that's very compliant, that's willing to give Joe Biden a pass and not ask him any, any tough questions. There might be one reporter or two that will actually ask a tough question. And yet Joe Biden, time and time again, will skirt away from the media, not get involved in a back and forth with the media, and he gets away with it. There is no coverage or very little coverage on what we're seeing in terms of the Joe Biden gaffes uh, by the media and by the left-wing media. And it just shows that they are part of propping up Joe Biden. And that to me is disgraceful because the job of the media is to be sort of that fourth branch, which is that of free, free press, making sure that you're asking the tough questions, that there should be a back and forth that you're not just attached to one side. If that's what you want in terms of objective journalism, that's what we need to look for. But that is not what we're getting in a Joe Biden presidency. The media, the left-wing media keeps giving him a pass and they keep propping him up. You know, you mentioned the media. My theory about the media, Mercedes, right now is that they have to do their best to distract, whether it's uh, sleepy Joe Biden or China Biden, uh, any way possible. You've got the corruption. You've got the incompetence. Uh, they have to paint everyone on the right as terrorists, uh, just like Joe Scarborough did this morning. Watch. Just like I said after 9-11, never forget that the Islamic terrorists came to our country and attacked us. And you know what? I said we needed to call them Islamic terrorists. You know why? Because they were Islamic terrorists. You know what these people are? These are Trump terrorists. Call them by their name. 
And yet we have Antifa attacks over the last several weeks, and I don't hear anyone uh, referring to them. Uh, we don't, I don't hear the BLM attackers uh, that many in the Democrat Party have excused and, in fact, encouraged. And I don't hear them referred to as Biden terrorists. Um, you know, when is this labeling and dehumanization going to stop, Mercedes? Joe Scarborough should take a chill pill, okay? Like, seriously. <laughs> He's having a meltdown. You know, I think what needs to happen is that the violence needs to be condemned on both sides. We should not tolerate in any way far-right violence. We should not tolerate far-left violence. But clearly, no one on the left ever condemns the Antifa violence, where the president and President Trump at the time did move forward, as did Attorney General Barr, to designate Antifa as a domestic terrorist group. And yet they are terrorizing cities like we've seen in Seattle. And so there's this huge double standard. And quite frankly, look, we don't have room in this movement for the thugs that did what they did in the Capitol riots. And and we don't have room you know, in the far left for them to also have Antifa dominate the streets and terrorize the streets. And, and, and what's so unfortunate is that what happened in the Capitol, those thugs really uh, did a disservice to those American patriots who love this country, who want to stand up for our Constitution, want to stand up for our freedom to assemble, to peacefully assemble, and to make our voices heard. And, and that's why for all of us who have been part of this movement, it's been heart-wrenching to see what happened in the Capitol January 6th because it gave the Democrats ammunition to try to take us down. And we need to fight back and do it in a peaceful way to tell the left, no more. You are not going after us. We are not the thugs in the Capitol riots. We are Americans who love this country, who stand for our flag, who want to ensure that our freedoms are protected. And yes, we are going to stop the far left propaganda that's coming not only from the Democrat Party, but from the left wing media. Yeah, and, and yeah. couldn't agree with you more. We have to stand against violence in every form, on both sides, on all sides, uh, no matter where it comes from. And I think that was really well put. Uh, but to paint uh, whole parties or whole movements with a broad brush, I think, um, is, is an effort to distract from uh, what's really going on in that we have a president right now who can't, comprehend what he's signing, can't handle a pen. And this is a scary moment in our time when you recognize that the CCP is watching this, that there are hostile leaders around the world who aren't missing the fact that Joe Biden just repeated two times today, I believe, or yesterday, I think it was today, uh, that you know 300 people will be vaccinated in America before the end of summer. Uh, these sorts of things are, are scary to think of. And Mercedes, you were in some of those conversations uh, with Donald Trump as president, where these conversations with world leaders can be quite tense. And if they think they're negotiating with someone who's in any sort of weakened position, where does that put the United States in those sorts of meetings with a Joe Biden? 
Well, I think it empowers the Chinese, it empowers the Iranians, it empowers our enemies when they know that there is weak leadership. And, and in essence, what I think what they were scared of is that they were scared of a Donald Trump who stuck to his word. When he said we were pulling out of JCPOA, we pulled out uh, and basically ensured that we would align ourselves with Israel and put Iran uh, in a tough position by ensuring that uh, we place significant sanctions to help weaken the regime. Uh, you know, when you look at China, obviously the president understood, President Trump understood what it took to negotiate the tough deals uh, because we knew that the trade was not free, fair, or reciprocal. And so he wanted to ensure that the American worker was benefiting. This is not what we're gonna see with a Joe Biden. Uh, let me tell you, the psychological games that I think these foreign leaders are gonna play on Joe Biden is gonna be very interesting to watch. Obviously, he's already, Joe Biden's already made that decision to join the Paris Climate Accords. And as we know, at the end of the day, that only gives China a pass, that only gives India a pass, and in terms of uh, them trying to control the, their carbon emissions and the pollution in their countries. And guess who has to pay for it? The U.S. Yep. taxpayer. And that's yep. what it is. This Joe Biden and this administration is a globalist uh, approach. And their goal is not America first. It's not about American workers. At the end of the day, it's going to be their policies will directly benefit these other nations and put the U.S. at risk and also weaken our economy in the long run. Mercedes Schlapp, thank you so much for being here and lending your insight. Uh, so much experience goes into your answers and we appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. All right, and hello to your family. Coming up, Nancy Pelosi says that she has a bill to fix our election problems forever. We're going to tell you about it coming up next. More Dr. Gina Primetime. Stick around. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Dr. Prime Primetime. Democrats are on the march. They have the reins of power in Washington, D.C., and they want to hold on to it forever. And that's exactly what the new bill called the For the People Act will do. Well, it's for those people anyway. The story over at justthenews.com says this. Pelosi renews the push for election reform bill that GOP calls a power grab. Senate GOP leader McConnell has said the bill, H.R. 1, would grow the federal government's power over Americans' political speech and elections. Here to discuss from the Amistad Project, Tom King. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Dr. Gina. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Now, Tom, this bill doesn't look too bad at first. The title certainly sounds great. But when you examine it, you realize that the power over our elections is quickly transferred to Washington, D.C., and uh, most people don't think that's handing power to the people. What do you think? 
I don't think so. Um, I think you're right. And I, uh, th this thing is called uh, HR1 for a reason. It's the number one priority of the Democratic Party in America. It's the number one attempt by the Democratic Party in America to take over uh, from the states uh, and from the people, not for the people, from the people, um, their rights to control within their states um, how their elections will be conducted. So if you, if you really liked uh, the two tw 2020 um, election mess that was created in this country by the Democratic Party, um, if you really like that, you're going to really love uh, H.R. 1. And, and what's the mechanism whereby that is established? Well, um, for example, um, H.R. 1 would, would uh, uh, impose upon the states um, requirements for uh, same-day registration. Some states have that, um, but this would impose on states to do that. Um, it would also require every state in the country to have early voting. So uh, some states have that, um, many states don't have it. Um, I happen to live in uh, Pennsylvania, we don't have early voting. Um, we would be required to have it. Every state would be required to comply. So uh, there's a lot in this bill um, that would you would have pre-registration of 16 and 17 year olds. Um, you would have, there are all sorts of things in here, including uh, a reference to statehood for Puerto Rico, um, and and just the uh, the, the mail-in balloting would become a national law that would be required. Um, it takes away the ability of the states to uh, to look at, uh, for example, uh, signature matches. Uh, takes all of those rights away from the state to do those things. So it, it in my opinion, it decreases the integrity of our elections. Many of the things that uh, the president complained about, uh, President Trump complained about. Um, would be codified, would be would become the law of the land. So, um, I, in my view, this is a terrible power grab. As as uh, uh, Senator McConnell said, it's a it's a huge power grab by the Democratic Party. Um, it's an attempt to, to uh, codify all of the terrible things that happened in 2020. Uh, and and uh, in my view, it's just a terrible piece of legislation. And as you're ripping down that list, same-day registration, early voting, statehood for Puerto Rico, mail-in balloting, remove signature matches, does it address voter identification? Uh, you, could, you, you, could not, you would not be able to um, uh, require uh, voter identification from people as, as we have done in the past. Um, in Pennsylvania, for, for years and years since we had an election code, you could require voter identification, and that uh, voter identification was overturned uh, in, in Pennsylvania, as were a number of other things here, as in other states as well. So um, it's, and then it's also really... The, um, I'm sorry. And then I was going to also ask about the drop boxes, which also became infamous in this last election. Yeah, we, uh, uh, you know, in the Amistad Project, so the Thomas More Society, um, um, and I'm part of the Amistad Project with Thomas More, and the Thomas More Society has done a, a fantastic job exposing uh, what's been done with the Zuckerberg money and the Zuckerbucks that, uh, that Phil Klein talks about and has talked about on TV a number of times. So the Zuckerbucks, uh, that they, they came into to the election process, over $350 million from Zuckerberg uh, came into to the election process to buy things like drop boxes, which would be legitimized by this uh, statute. Um, the drop boxes in Pennsylvania were a horrible experiment 
Um, and also the other thing, uh, Gina, is uh, this reminds me as well. Um, ballot harvesting would literally become legal under Act One, under under HR One. So um, we we fought both ballot harvesting and we fought uh, the, we fought the, the the drop boxes, the lack of security, the lack of uh, custody chain of custody with regard to the to those those ballot boxes. We we saw, for example, in in Philadelphia. We saw the mayor of Philadelphia trying to vote, uh, trying to cat, trying to deposit two ballots at one time on TV into the Dropbox, which is against the law in Pennsylvania. We we saw people dropping multiple ballots into bo- Dropboxes. We saw Dropboxes that were um, in in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. More than half the Dropboxes in all of Pennsylvania were in one county alone. Were in Delaware County, and that was all paid for by Mark Zuckerberg. So. I, I have to believe that HR1 is uh, by, by Representative Sarbanes from Maryland. This is more of the same. This is a continuation of the last election. Um, and this is an attempt to do it while they're in power. It, as Senator McConnell is 100% right, it's nothing but a power grab. And um, does this at all address any of the electronic counting uh, machines that we've heard so much about? Um, because, you know, when I talk even to Democrats lately, they say, can't we just go back to the days where we just voted with a paper ballot? That's what people feel the most comfortable with. And there are many countries around the world that have gone back to the solid paper ballot. They feel like that makes them have something in their hand that they hold that's tangible, that tells them this was my vote. They they can track it. You know, they're, they're, it's easier to uh, record a chain of custody, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I, I agree with you. And um, what's going to happen here is this this will be federal legislation for the first time um, mandating to the states um, the the systems that they have to employ with respect to voting. And so um, once you get into that, once you open that door and it talks about the election election systems, the, the systems that are purchased have to be manufactured in America. But once you begin to dictate to the states what sort of systems they have to have, you, you gain ultimate control over the states and you gain ultimate control over, over uh, what company, for example, produces the system that, uh, that you like the best or, or that you think is most advantageous to you. I think all of this, uh, Gina, is, is uh, just an undermining on a constant basis of the, uh, of the integrity of the system and I think that it causes Americans to pause and, and, and to be concerned about the integrity of their elections. Uh, everything that we see in the news today and, and uh, everything that's gone on in this past election. And by the way, there are still cases up in the U.S. Supreme Court dealing with the last election um, that, that haven't right. been finalized yet. So um, as we speak, um, I just think H.R. 1 um, and its imposition of all of these uh, things that are contained that we've talked about. What you and I've talked about today is sort of the tip of the iceberg. This is a comprehensive right. bill. Nancy Pelosi, Sarbanes, and the Democratic caucus in the House, um, are it's, it's absolutely just a power grab. Now, Pelosi says this bill eliminates the dark money, making super PAC donations transparent. I mean, that sounds like a good thing. Is she right on that one? You know, all this, you can make, they can spin this all they want. They can try to make it sound as, as, as great as they want. Um, if all you have to do is look back at the last election with President Trump and um, you, saw, you saw money, you talk about dark money, dark money poured into the 2020 Democratic coffers. If, if, if nothing else, 
just look at the, at the $350 million that Zuckerberg put in to finance the scheme that the Democrats put together in Wisconsin and in Michigan and in Pennsylvania um, and, in, and in Georgia and in Arizona, places where we were involved as, in, as the Amistad Project, um, trying to secure voter integrity for each of those states. So the dark money, uh, the dark money flowed into this election on the other side of the fence. And uh, what what they're talking about is what they're trying to do is undo Citizens United, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court case um, that that uh, that allowed for uh, First Amendment rights for for uh, everybody. And and that's exactly what this bill is trying to undo. I don't think there's much doubt just looking at this. This would be the end of the two-party system if this were passed and signed into law. Will this pass? Well, um, that's beyond my my capability to tell you whether it's going to pass or not. But I'll tell you what, if it does pass, um, it is a uh, – I, I also serve as the general counsel for the Republican Party of Pennsylvania. And I will tell you that um, we have grave concerns about uh, about this being ramrodded through – a Democratic House and now a uh, slim but uh, Democratic-controlled Senate. And, and uh, what we've seen in the early days of the Biden administration um, leads me to believe that, that uh, he would sign whatever got to his desk as quick as he could. So um, I, we have grave concerns about it. I'm very concerned for the, for the Republican Party, but I'm more concerned for the American public. And I'm concerned about states' rights and and the right of states to conduct their own elections uh, and in a fair way. Um, I'm with you. I'd, I'd sooner go back to paper ballots than to do this. And have you heard from any of those Democrats that they might think this is this bill is a problem? Um, I I have not, but then I'm not the likely person to hear from too many of them. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I've not heard. <laughs> They're probably the only the only time I hear from them is. Uh, is the veiled threats that we get and uh, and the and the complaints about uh, um, our standing up for for the president and our and our and our standing up for our elected officials and standing up for Americans' rights? Um, the challenges that we've made in court uh, uh, were intended to, on behalf of the Amistad Project. Those those challenges were intended for election integrity, um, Republican or Democrat. It wouldn't matter, uh, but. Uh, no, I haven't heard any concerns from the Democratic side. Um, I've been in some of those court cases uh, fighting over um, over watchers in Philadelphia and watchers in Pittsburgh, and and uh, I've been involved with the Amistad Project, who were uh, involved in voter integrity in Michigan um, and Wisconsin and Georgia and and uh, Arizona. And so I have grave concerns that uh, this bill would do nothing but. Uh, cement those things that people found so offensive in the 2020 election. Sounds like it might come down to a filibuster. Tom King, thank you so much for making us aware of this, and we'll hope that uh, cool heads prevail. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. You won't believe what the public schools are teaching about BLM and transgenderism. You will be shocked, but it's coming up right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stick around. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com.
CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Prime Time. Do you know what your kids are learning in school? Well, the Ames, Iowa School District posted their website of what they're teaching kids about BLM and transgenderism. The headline from MRCTV.com reads, BLM's transgender-affirming, family-disrupting coloring book in Iowa school program. And the images that these kids are coloring are so unbelievably disturbing. You just might not even believe what I have to tell you, except you will, because I have Jack Brewer with me to discuss. Thanks for being with us tonight, Jack. Good to see you. Uh, Jack, this isn't just to teach about BLM. This is about teaching children that the nuclear family, and and that's really the, the, the crux of this whole issue, is not the best way to raise children. It's about breaking up families, and that is because when you have a solid family, uh, you tend to, everything else tends to go right, right? You know, America functions well, all political systems function well, economically America functions well, and so on and so on and so so on. But you also tend to have political conservatives, and that's what this really comes down to, isn't it? That's exactly right. I mean, this is an all-out war on family. Uh, It's an all-out war on Christianity. Uh, and it's just really sad. I mean, you, you, you said it, you know, families, strong families reduce crime, reduce poverty, uh, better health care. Uh, you just have a better society, the more families and the stronger your families are. And so uh, to, to just think that uh, you're educating children, when we have so many kids in America that are already fatherless, we have so many kids in America that are already confused. Uh, we have a generation of, of, of everybody wins culture. And now you pour this on to start indoctrinating these kids to think that they can choose their gender. Uh, and all of a sudden, no matter how God made them, uh, they have the right all of a sudden, like we have the right over God. I mean, it's just, it's appalling to me uh, to see how far left this nation has gone. Uh, and it's only been a month. Uh, it's, it's a sad, sad time. Yeah, Jack, you know, because you've, you, you and I have uh, spent long hours together talking about what happens to children. Children who just come from broken homes, you know, um, and, and, and that's not even when you start then promoting ideas like confusing them from a gender identity perspective or um, inserting things that are confusing to children about, um, you know, who they, who they really are, how they were born, or, you know, whether or not they belong to God. Um, so I want you just to talk for a minute about what happens to children uh, when the father is not in the home. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation because uh, you really lose um, that structure, that family structure. And so uh, when you look, and I, I do a lot of work in the schools, and when you look and you see how behavioral issues uh, affect kids that are fatherless, uh, you look how, you know, things like reading level and math level, uh, you know, we have cities across America that have really high levels of fatherlessness. Those same cities you know, reading the math proficiency, places like Detroit, where it's 5% reading the math proficiency uh, for fourth graders across that, that, that entire city. Places like Baltimore. Baltimore, um, you have the majority of the population in inner city Baltimore, when you talk about kids, uh, are zero proficient at reading the math. You had 38 schools in one town uh, that was zero percent proficient in math and reading. So 
you can just think of what that does economically, uh, but what it does socially and spiritually uh, for an entire area that has that big of a population not having fathers. Uh, and then when you start throwing in these ideals uh, that kids don't need fathers, that families can function without fathers. And we all know that there are strong single families, both mothers and fathers that have raised incredible uh, men and women, uh, but that's not the majority. Uh, when you talk about statistics and you look at the hard data and you see that you're 20 times more likely to go to prison if you're fatherless. And if you look at the data and you see that 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless, these things are, you, you can't even argue them. Uh, it's a sad reality. When I talk to friends that live in other countries uh, and I tell them about the crisis that we have right now in our own nation around this fatherlessness issue, and then you blend that with this new transgender push, uh, it just, they can't believe it. They can't believe their eyes because, you know, we talk about social justice all the time. And, but now we've gotten to the point where uh, in, in a normal society, you don't even talk to a kid about sex uh, in elementary school. You wait till the kids are older. You don't bring these topics up and try to indoctrinate them. All of a sudden now, uh, it's at the top of everyone's mind to talk about gender uh, to little kids. Little kids shouldn't even be faced with these type of decisions. Uh, and it's really sad to see so many on the left not stand up against this mess. I mean, when you think and you look at these coloring books uh, that they're putting out in these schools, how, where are the, the Christians? Where are the, the, the folks of faith that are Democrats? And I'm gonna call out the black leaders, the supposed, le supposed black leaders uh, who are Christians, how can you stand for this? When you know, when you open up the word of God, it tells you that we're going to face this day where good becomes evil and evil becomes good. And woe to that day. And and we are right in the middle of it. Uh, and I just encourage all conservatives uh, to continue to speak the truth and to stand up for the word of God. Because like no other time that I've been around, we need it right now uh, because the, the truth has been lost. And, and this really isn't about, I mean, I, I want to cover because, you know, they'll say that somehow if you don't teach children this, then children won't be nice or, you know, won't be nice to the children that are different uh, or will bully. And nobody wants that to happen, least of all Christians uh, want that to happen. But I want to give you a moment to speak to that for those who don't know your heart out there, Jack. Well, you know, I... Honestly, Gina, I don't really care what people think about me. I, I really, I, I care about, uh, you know, Christ uh, and loving my neighbor as myself. Uh, but to love, defined in the word of God, is to follow the commandments of Christ, uh, to love your brothers and sisters. And that means uh, to pray for each other. And that means to help each other seek eternal life. That's how you really love someone. Loving someone is not appeasing them. Loving someone is not being tolerant to things that are not uh, righteous. And loving them is not telling them what they want to hear. Loving someone is telling them biblical truth. That is what I believe. Uh, and so uh, I have a, a, a sister that's gay, and I love her, and I would die for her. But I'm still not going to agree with her lifestyle. That doesn't mean I don't love her. Uh, and so if you think that loving someone means that you appease to them, even when they're not doing something according to the word of God, uh, then you just have a different truth than I do. Uh, but no one can question uh, my heart in that aspect. I, I have friends that have been gay. 
I have friends that are gay right now, and I love them like brothers and sisters. Uh, but I'm not going to uh, tell my children that that's the godly way to live when I can open up the word of God for myself and read what truth really means. They're told in this Iowa school curriculum that they can choose their gender, uh, like you would choose a pair of socks in the morning, uh, and they choose uh, what a family is supposed to look like, and these kids are able to make those decisions. Um, Jack, this is just a lot for a child who's just supposed to be learning math and English, right? It is, and it's, it's really a, a war on Christianity. I mean, you're teaching now antichrist principles. They want to pull... Uh, religion out of schools. They want to take Christianity out of schools. Fine, yeah. go there, but don't don't go against the Word of God and and each right. Antichrist principles within that same breath. That's not right. Yeah. And so, for me, that's really where the stand is. I mean, I love everybody. I love if you want to be transgender, you should be able to do whatever you want. Decision and choice uh, is paramount in the Word of God. And it's paramount in Christianity. And everyone can make I'm gonna their have decision. to leave it there, Jack, because we're out of time. I'm so sorry. But that's a good place to leave it, oh. right in the hands of God. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks to all of you. You're real home for real news. Hug your children. Love your God. You go boldly now and live through, you live the truth. There, we got it out. Good night.